Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Hello, everybody. This is Sandy, and welcome to Last First Date Radio. We are a weekly show about attracting and sustaining healthy relationships, especially in midlife or after 40. Today, I am very excited to be speaking with best-selling author and relationship expert Margaret Paul, and she's going to be talking about how to deal how to heal yourself and be open to love. And she has a special system for healing called inner bonding. And as a dating coach, um, many women who come to me are feeling broken. They are feeling hopeless. Many have had a lifetime of unhealthy relationships. And maybe you can relate. Um, You can be a woman or a man. I mean, I work mostly with women, so I do talk to women a lot on the show. But if you're a guy and you're listening, and even if you're married and listening, um, the inner healing is so important at any stage of your life. And um, many people also believe that love happens to everybody but them, that they have to be lucky to have love. And it's really not about love, and it's not about happening to everybody, and you're just not one of the lucky ones. Um Really what I have discovered in the work that I've done is that there are some basic life skills and love skills that we are not born with and that most of us do not learn on our own. We keep making the same mistakes over and over again until somebody helps us through the process. And um, so that's why I love doing the work I do, and I know that Margaret is amazing at the work that she does And so, you know, really, really important to know that you're very empowered when you can identify unhealthy patterns that you have in your past and and learn the skills for honoring and valuing yourself more. Um, And that is really how you attract and sustain lasting love. So really what I believe is that authentic, deep love comes to people who uncover their true selves, their authentic selves, and they increase their self-love and self-compassion. And if you're a woman, the term I use is that you become a woman of value. And every week I bring you a tip on how to be a woman of value, and this week's tip is dare to think big. Um, I used to think small, and I don't know about you, but it's very easy to think small because it's safer. It's safer to stay within your little comfort zone and not to really think big about life or love. But I encourage you to dare. It does take courage to think bigger and to know that the more you think bigger, the more you can actually achieve bigger. So please don't box box yourself in and think that you can only accomplish as much as you have in the past, but to really know that you are big, bigger than you probably even imagine, um, and that you can make a bigger impact in the world and that you can have the love you want and the life that you want. So two things that I always like to include before I get to our guest, and one is that if you don't yet have my free guide, which is the top 10 reasons why men pull away or disappear, Please go to my website when the show is over. It's lastfirstdate.com. That's lastfirstdate.com. And pick up a copy of my free guide because it will tell you those top 10 reasons and it will tell you how to 
turn it all around and attract and keep the love you deserve. Also, if you're not yet a member of my amazing Facebook group, which is called Your Last First Date, if you are single and you're over 40 and you're a woman, please join this supportive private group where discussions are are happening all day long about how to have healthy, happy relationships. So it's just a very supportive, wonderful place. I'm very, very um, interactive in the group. And I do weekly live videos uh, about different topics relating to dating after 40. So please join us. It's called Your Last First Date. And now for our amazing guest today, Dr. Margaret Paul. She is a best-selling author, a relationship expert, a Huffington Post and Mind Body Green writer, and the co-creator of the powerful Inner Bonding Self-Healing Process, which was recommended by actress Lindsay Wagner and singer Alanis Morissette. She has appeared on many radio and TV shows, including Oprah, and her book titles include Do I Have to Give Up Me to Be Loved by You? and Do I Have to Give Up Me to Be Loved by God? Healing Your Aloneness and Inner Bonding. Margaret has successfully worked with thousands and taught classes and seminars for over 48 years. Please join me now for episode number 257 with Dr. Margaret Paul on Inner Bonding, The Power to Heal Yourself. Welcome to the show, Margaret. Thank you so much, Sandy. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. So I first heard you on Iris Ben Ruby's summit, um, Let Love In, which we are now, I think, both on the summit again together. Um, uh-huh. So it's exciting to um, to be to be on the same panel of experts as you, and to have you on the show today. Mm-hmm. I I just fell in love with the work that you do, and was very excited to have you say oh, yes thank you to so being much. a guest. Oh, you're thank welcome. You. So. Um, Let's start with um, what brought you to to the inner bonding process. Like what what was what was happening in your life that that drew you to the self love process? Well, I had been on a um, search for happiness and peace for a long, long time, and I had done all kinds of therapy, and I had become a therapist. I worked as a traditional psychotherapist for 17 years, and I just was not at all happy with the results of, you know, for me and and with others. And I just started seeking and praying for a process that really did work, where people didn't have to be in therapy forever, that they could learn it and do it uh, daily in their lives. And that's when I met the co-creator, Dr. Erica Chopich, and she had half the process and I had half the process. And so we put it together, and that was over 30 years ago. It's been evolving since then into an incredibly powerful self-healing process that has absolutely changed my life and the lives of so many thousands of people around the world. Mm. Well, it's, so let's uh, go to, so it's actually interesting, first of all, to um, hear from a therapist who found that the traditional therapy wasn't working. and. That's actually what brought me to coaching because I went to therapy many times and felt like I need more. I need to have a process that I can do myself that will be self-healing and where there's sort of a co-creation of a process that I don't rely on a therapist and that I don't go to a therapist to vent, but to actually get 
get some skills that will take me to the to the level that I wanted to go and to the depth that I wanted to go. So, right. um, so can you um, describe the steps of inner bonding for us? Yeah, I'll describe them briefly. Um, okay. Step one is that you need to be willing to feel your pain uh, and learn to take responsibility for it because most of what everybody does that actually creates their pain is they do all kinds of um, self-abandoning behaviors. They, uh, you know, to to avoid their pain, they they stay up in their head instead of staying present in their body. So they're ignoring their feelings. They turn to various addictions to to avoid their feelings. They judge themselves to try and have control over getting themselves to do things right, which causes a lot of pain. They make others responsible for their feelings. Um, and, and all of these ways of abandoning oneself create a lot of inner pain, and then we don't want to know that we're creating our pain, so it's a vicious circle. We keep mm. doing these things to avoid our pain, plus um, there's the, what we call the core pain of life, you know, the grief, the, the loneliness, the helplessness over others, the heartbreak of life. These are you know, the, just the pains of life that most of us have never learned to compassionately manage. And so we've learned to avoid those as well. And so step one is that we become willing to feel all of our feelings and learn from them rather than continue to avoid them. And step mm-hmm. two is we consciously move into an intention to learn. In inner bonding, there's only two intentions to choose from. One is that we intend to protect against pain, avoid it with some form of controlling behavior, or we open to learning about loving ourselves and eventually being able to share our love with others. And so when we open to learning, um, we create what we call the loving adult self, which is this compassionate aspect of us, and we connect with a higher source of love and wisdom and bring that in. And then uh, we move into step three, which is we dialogue with the feeling part of ourselves. You can call that your core self or your inner child, um, but it's a feeling part of ourselves, and the feelings always have information for us. We don't want to avoid our feelings because otherwise, you know, it's like it's like trying to, to, to drive somewhere with no map, like you're going from L.A. to New York with no map. You don't know where you're going. Well, our feelings are like a map inside. They have enormous amount of information regarding whether we're um, loving ourselves or whether we're abandoning ourselves or, or information about what's happening with another person or a situation. We need our feelings. We don't want to numb them out, you know, with food or drugs or, or, or alcohol or anything like that. Otherwise, we miss all the fantastic information that our feelings give us. But we have to learn to manage the feelings, and that's what most people have never learned, and that's what you learn in inner bonding. So in step three, you're exploring your feelings, what they're telling you, how you're treating yourself, your belief system. There's a lot you learn in the exploration. And then in step four, you open to learning with a higher source of wisdom. And we teach people how to open to their higher self. Uh, it's not as hard as people think it is. Um, when we open to learning, we're really, really open. It, it becomes fairly easy to access that higher guidance. And we're asking about the truth of any of the beliefs that we've uncovered in our exploration in step three. 
and we're asking for what would be the loving action toward ourselves. Um, what would truly be loving towards ourselves? And then in step five, we take that loving action based on the truth, not on the false beliefs of our ego wounded self. We take that loving action, and then in step six, we go in and see how we're feeling as a result of that. And again, our feelings are informational. When we feel a sense of relief and a lessening of anxiety or depression um, or guilt or shame, we know that we've taken a loving action. And if we don't feel that relief, then we go back through the steps until we discover another loving action. But when we're truly taking uh, the action that's loving to us, we will feel a deep sense of relief. So very briefly, those are the six steps <laughs> of inner bonding. It's an awesome process. And and I I think so many of us don't, that we're not in touch with feelings. I know that, you know, when I first really became aware of feelings and being able to name not only feelings but needs and, you know, all of the core values, core self, higher self, it was such an eye-opener for me because right. we're not taught it. We're also taught that many feelings are bad, and so we right. should avoid them. And that's a big disservice. People are afraid of anger um, in particular, and so they rage because they've suppressed anger. I mean, there's so many side effects of not being fully expressed. And Well, and, um, and most people don't realize that their anger is their inner child or core self, however they imagine that inner part of themselves, angry at them for abandoning themselves. You know, it's very easy to project our anger out onto other people and think that they're causing our pain. But when we turn it around, that's what I have people do. Turn your anger around. Ask yourself um, what you're angry at yourself about, and then you're going to discover the ways that you've been abandoning yourself and hurting yourself, and that's what the anger is really about. Yeah, yeah, and that's shocking for so many people. They're like, what are you talking about? How can I be angry at myself? Um, and, I mean, I'm I'm always looking for lessons, and we had somebody post something in the group, uh, my Facebook group today, about a situation that happened where she really connected with somebody. They were on a first date. They had a great first date, and then she finds out that he's decided to go back to an ex-girlfriend. And everybody's like, oh, that's so horrible, that's so horrible. And I'm all about, like, so what have you learned? And she said, to have hope, which is a nice thing to learn, but there are other things to learn, too, you know, like getting attached to the outcome and, and you know, getting attached so early on before you really know somebody. And, you know, you're spending five hours on the phone talking to a total stranger. There's a lot of ways that people attach very quickly in in the dating process. So what are some things that you can share in terms of, you know, that kind of thing? Because I see that a lot where people attach to the hope of who somebody is and they project a whole bunch of stuff on this person. What would you suggest that they do? Well, the thing is, is that when, when people attach so early, um, they're basically handing responsibility for their happiness and their well-being over to the other person. Like if they imagine, if you imagine that that you have a baby, and instead of you loving the baby, you go around and, 
and try and find somebody else to take care of the baby, that baby will feel very abandoned and rejected. And that's what people do a lot. When, when they haven't learned how to love themselves, how to truly see and value who they really are, then it's very easy to project onto somebody else that that's the person to love them. That's the person to that's the person to see them and value them and make them feel happy and safe and whole. And so when you attach early, that's a pretty good indication that you've abandoned yourself, that you've given that inner child away to the other person, and then you're pretty upset. Um, when that person doesn't come through. And this woman says she has hope, but is the hope that somebody else will come along and give her that, or is it that she recognizes that she needs to do this for herself first? Um, The problem with so many people in relationships is that their intention in being in a relationship is to get something, to get love, Mm -hmm. to get seen, to get validated, to feel safe, rather than to bring those to themselves to see and value and make themselves feel safe so that they then want to enter a relationship in order to share their love. There's such a big difference between the intention to get love and the intention to share love. And the only way that we can truly share love is when we're bringing love into ourselves, filling ourselves up with love and having it overflow and so many people are confused between what really makes them feel good and brings them joy they think that it's getting love but it's not really the greatest joy in life is to share love to share love with somebody who's also loving themselves and full of love and wants to share love with you and so it's so vitally important to be on a path of learning to love yourself, which is what the six steps of inner bonding are all about. And when people spend even a month or two learning the process, learning to love themselves, they will find themselves feeling completely different in the dating scene. They will find themselves being much more discerning, not attaching so quickly, not you know feeling needy in the dating scene. Mhm. Yeah, it's so true and it's so hard for people to wrap their heads around um because that is the culture is that it's what what you get what's in it for me. And I think the other part of this and this is something that happens to women I think more than men is that women are raised to be givers and they give without receiving and they give to the point of depletion which is actually abandoning themselves again. And so right. when you say it's not what you get, they're thinking, well, I'm always giving. You know, that's one way somebody might interpret what you just said. And well, but, it's but important. Well, but what they're not realizing, because I did that too. I was a caretaker for so many years. Mm-hmm. But um, when you're a caretaker, you're giving and giving. You're actually, you have a covert agenda, which is mm-hmm. I'll give so that I'll get. Um, Correct. You know, if I give enough, then somebody will love me the way I want to be loved. It, it's still mm-hmm. not coming from a full place because when you give from a full place, you give as a gift, you don't have an agenda attached, and you don't get depleted. It's a joy to give. But when you're giving as a caretaker because you've been taught that that's your role, then it's still a form of control. You're giving to get something back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
It's a good distinction, and it's important for people to realize. I mean, I I was brought up by a martyr um, who gave and gave and gave, and that was the message was people don't give me back, and it's not fair, and it's, you know, and I'm always doing everything for everyone, and, you know, and it was a lot of victim victim stuff. And I I knew in my heart that that was not the way I wanted to be um, because it just didn't feel good. It didn't feel good to hear it or to see it. But I didn't really understand it until I did right. my inner work. Um, so um, yeah, there's so much to say. It's like hard to cover everything in a half hour. Um, so yeah, let's let's talk about a little bit more about the. Um, I think a lot of people are not familiar with some of the words that you're using, like inner child and um, self abandonment and things like that. I think people people may not end up. So let's go to inner child. Um, can you say a little more about what is the inner child and what happens to people along the way when they begin to lose that inner child? Yeah, well, we, we talk about the inner child mainly because people know that they have to take care of a child. They don't generally think in terms of taking care of themselves or their own feelings. And so sometimes the concept of an inner child can help them understand that they are responsible for their own feelings, for managing their feelings, and for creating some of the painful ones. And so we think of the inner child as our our soul, our essence, our core self, and it's our feeling self. This is a part of us that expresses mainly through feelings, sometimes through words as well, but um, when we get a feeling, let's say you get a feeling of anxiety or a feeling of depression or anger, that's your inner child um, letting you know that you are not loving yourself. And in in the inner bonding process, um, we, we talk about the fact that we've all been programmed with... Um, you know, we have a place in our lower brain called the amygdala, which is where our false beliefs get programmed. We call this part the, the the wounded self or the ego self that has been programmed with many, many, many false beliefs. And when our intention is to um, protect against pain with some form of controlling behavior, we're operating from our ego wounded self. And that would be like, let's say, a seven- or eight-year-old who's angry taking care of a three-year-old. That three-year-old is not going to feel loved, is going to you know, probably feel neglected, abandoned, or abused. And that's what happens on the inner level, is when we let this programmed ego-wounded part of us be in charge, the part that wants to control, then our inner child responds with feeling badly, feeling angry, anxious, depressed, guilty, shamed, empty, alone. And these feelings are a very instant and direct way of letting us know that our wounded self is in charge and we and the inner child is feeling abandoned. Whereas when we feel happy and peaceful and joyful and creative and excited and full of love, um, then we know that we're operating out of our loving adult self. And the loving adult is who we are when we're open to learning and connected with our higher source of love and wisdom. We're not coming from our programmed mind. We're allowing our higher mind to to guide us. And so our feelings are a way of letting us know. 
as well as, like I said, there's the you know the core feelings of life, the painful feelings. Like if we feel grief, that's a natural feeling that comes about from loss. That's again, the inner child is feeling that feeling, and it's up to our loving adult self to be very tender and compassionate and gentle with ourselves while we move through grief or we move through heartbreak or a common feeling that people want to avoid all the time is a feeling of helplessness over other people or situations. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's very important for us to learn to to deal with that uh, very painful feeling with a lot of compassion, a lot of gentleness. Um, And then, you know, there's the loneliness of life. This is a natural life feeling, especially in our culture when, you know, we're not living in a tribal society where there's always people or, or a close community society we live in our little homes and so many people live alone but even if they're in a relationship they're they're not connecting and so they feel lonely and loneliness is an important feeling it, it lets us know that we're we're needing connection with others um, but if we're disconnected from ourselves if we're abandoning ourselves we're going to feel both alone inside which is from the self-abandonment, and we'll feel lonely with others because we can't connect to them when we're disconnected from ourselves. And this is this is so common in our culture that people feel the, the desperateness of the aloneness and the loneliness. And, um, and that's the inner child letting you know that, that he or she needs your attention, needs your compassion, needs you to be open to learning, needs your gentleness and kindness with yourself, not your judgment, not ignoring yourself. These are, these are the ways we abandon ourselves, we judge ourselves, we ignore ourselves, we numb ourselves with all of our addictions, we, we hand ourselves over to other people. These are all ways that we abandon uh, ourselves, that we abandon that inner child who so needs us to see and love ourselves and Truly, life changes so much when you start learning to um, to attend to your feelings, when you start getting present in your body in step one of inner bonding and attending to your feelings instead of ignoring them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true. And I can hear so much passion in how you share this. Um, it, it does. It's life changing. It is so life changing. And when you finally see it, it's like you can't even believe that you've missed out on this amazing process. Right. Um, I, I remember when I first started doing this work, and then I would work with women, and I'd say, "What did you feel when this happened?" And they they would make a statement that had nothing to do with feelings. You know, I I felt he was doing this which right. is not a feeling, it's a judgment. <laughs> it's a, right. And so it's just, you know, even that in and of itself, just realizing that the words you've been using to express your feelings are not feeling words. And um, so, so let's talk about inner bonding and how it's changed your life because, um, you know, you've been doing this for a long time. So what are some of the big changes you've noticed in your own life? Well, I think the very biggest change was that I, I don't think I ever felt true joy until I mm-hmm. started practicing inner bonding because I had grown up in a difficult family as an only child with a, a, a rageaholic mother 
and a sexually abusive father. It was not an easy mm-hmm. way to grow right. up. And, um, and you know, I was doing the best I could, and I had so much therapy, but I just had no idea how to feel joy. It was not something that I, I was familiar with. And when I started practicing her bonding and take care of myself, I started to feel actual joy in life. And and my whole life has changed. Everything in my life has changed. My work is fantastic. How I live, I live on a 35-acre ranch with horses, which I've always wanted since I was a little kid, never thought I would get. Mm. I mean, I've been able to manifest my dreams in life. It's just everything has changed. I've moved into a place of personal power and and, and truly valuing who I am, which I didn't before inner bonding. I was totally dependent on other people's approval um, to feel like I was okay. I was terrified of rejection and terrified of people being angry with me and things like that. Now, none of that, it, it, you know, goes on in my life. And so for me, everything's changed. It, it's just like night and day. Wow. That's awesome. And I remember when we first talked, you also mentioned that um, – something about getting along with your ex-husband in a way that you never could before. I mean, so much so much is possible when, oh, when you yeah. do this and, work. Oh, yeah, and actually just a few weeks ago, I'm, I'm good friends now with my ex-husband. He was here, and, and he, he's done some deep work, and he just deeply, deeply apologized uh, to me for so much of what went on. It was just so wow. beautiful. Oh, <laughs> That's it was amazing. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's like a miracle. And, I know. you know, most people couldn't dream of that. And, and I was speaking to a client this morning whose ex-husband um, just is continuing to say unkind things to her daughter. And it's like you've got to break the cycle for yourself. And I, I told her that. I said, you know, it's on her to be able to process this differently and not, not absorb it and not make it about her own self-worth when he says yeah, mean and, things. Yeah, and you know what? He told me something that I didn't really understand. I'd like to share it with everybody because sure. it was so important. He said that he just, all through our marriage of 30 years, he just never felt like he was good enough for me. Like he thought that I was better than him and I was more intelligent. He called me this light on the planet and, and that I was more creative and I was this and that. And that he felt insecure that he couldn't match me, so he had to keep me down. And I think mm. that this goes on with so many relationships where men are threatened by who women really are, and they have mm-hmm. to keep them down. And he said since we divorced, he's been on his own journey of finding himself and what's wonderful about him. So now he can truly love and support me and other people. He's no longer threatened, which is just amazing. Wow, that's awesome. And that's an important message, I think, for everybody to hear in many ways. Um, I was talking this morning with a client about the woman who started Bumble, which is a dating app, and she started Tinder, which is a bigger dating app, um, with her boyfriend, who now is her ex. And she, in this article, was very bitter about him and said that one of the reasons she started Bumble, which is a site where women have to make the first move in terms of sending right. a message, is mm-hmm. because she felt that men were too controlling and that men controlled everything and that women have right. to take their control back. And I said, oh, my God, that's such a limiting belief. Like, men don't <laughs> control everything and women don't control everything. But if we give away our power, 
you know, then we let people control us. So it was a, we had a whole discussion about this and the bitterness that this woman feels at age 27 Aww. that she's carrying this bitterness. And I said, you know, I wish I could coach her because, you know, that is is her belief system, you know, that men are controlling. That's one of her limiting beliefs. Well, I think so, both men and women, men and women control. They just control in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that it's true that, you know, men are often threatened by who women are and try and keep them down. And uh, and that's why it's so important for everybody, men and women, to discover who they really are and what's wonderful about them so that we can love and support each other. We can't if we think that we're not good enough. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Well, that's an excellent place to end today. And um, thank you so much, Margaret, for coming on the show. And if you can let everybody know how they can reach you. Um, Yes, they can come to my website at innerbonding.com. There's an amazing amount of information and help there. Um, They can email me at innerbonding at innerbonding.com if they need information. Awesome. Well, thank you. Keep doing the beautiful work you do in the world and bringing so much love and light to the world. Yes, and you too, Sandy. Thank you for the work that you're doing and for having me on your show. Oh, my pleasure. And thank you, thank you, everybody, for listening today and for uh, for coming on the show. And I hope that everyone goes on their last first date very soon. Have a wonderful day. Mm-hmm.